Remains here on Western Reserve Radio, episode 42, and your final episode for this, the 2022 year end. As we wrap things up, of course, the show brought to you by Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit MillCreekMetroParks.org for more information. We are joined on the phone by our buddy Corey Christen, a sports writer for the Toledo Blade, who listeners from this uh, Western Reserve Radio are very familiar with him. Corey, how's it going out there in Toledo? Oh man, I'm honored to be the, the very last uh, on the very last episode of the season. Things are things are good. I mean, bowl season is here. The uh, the basketball's in full swing now, so we're keeping it moving. All right, let us jump right in since we have so many games to get to. We're going to talk briefly about all of them. Some some more attention, some some not. We begin with the first game that is Friday at noon, and most of these games are on the ESPN family of networks. Middle Tennessee and Toledo, 6 and 6 versus 7 and 5. The Rockets are favored by 10. Do I even have to ask you who you like in this game? Well, I mean, if I wanted to play true heel, I would pick against Toledo because I I covered Bowling Green Athletics and uh, that's the that's the main rivalry, but I'll err against me having an interference on Old Takes exposed and I will smartly, I think, pick the Rockets and not just win, but I think they covered as well. I mean, we're, we're picking straight up here, but uh, I don't think 10 is enough. I like Toledo's defense a lot more than I like Middle Tennessee's offense. Toledo's defensive line is fast. They can go stunts. They can go stints. They have linebackers that can blitz and cover, and uh, they have a couple of all-max corners and an all-max safety. So I just like Toledo too much in this game. Again, a Middle Tennessee team that, by the way, turns down the opportunity essentially to come down to the max. So a little bit of uh, off-the-field intrigue, too. Continuing with the games on a Friday, 6 o'clock ESPN2 from Orlando, Florida. It is the MAC champion Northern Illinois at 9-4. and four. Coastal Carolina is 10-2. and two. The Chanticleers, Corey, a 10.5-point favorite. Who do you like? Well, hold on. Do you take Toledo or Middle Tennessee? I will take Toledo going away. Okay, that's fair. Um, Northern Illinois is, I think, the, the, the best story in college football that not a lot of people are aware of. And I'm coming from an area that not only saw them play this year, but I cover the MAC closely with just where I am. Northern Illinois was winless last year. They went 0-6. And here they are now in a bowl, in a bowl spot playing against a really good Coastal Carolina team. The thing about Northern Illinois is they love to run the football. And they're not afraid to pile it down your throat. They have about three running backs and, and – um, Rocky Lombardi, their quarterback, a Michigan State transfer, he can throw it when they need him to. The thing is, I just like Coastal Carolina's depth a little bit more, and, and I think the shots clears win. Um, again, we're picking straight up, but I do like Northern Illinois to cover that. You know what? I think this will be a good early season, early ball season game. The spread's a little too rich for me at ten and a half. Uh, I'll agree with you completely. Give me the uh, Chanticleers to win, but they will not cover the ten and a half. Saturday, six games on Saturday, if you're looking for something to do, between 11 a.m. and 9.15 kickoffs, games all day long. 11 a.m. Uh, in the Boca Raton of Florida, at 11 a.m. ESPN, it is uh, Western Kentucky at 8-5, and five, and uh, App State is 10-3. and three. App State is a three-point favorite, Corey. I will take App State. I like him to cover and then some. I think they win this game by double digits. 
Yeah, me too. I just don't think Western Kentucky has enough to hang with them, quite frankly. And if there's not much to be said more than that. I, I just think that Appalachian State, um, you know, they have too many weapons on offense to move to move on uh, Western Kentucky. I'll take App State's winning cover. Uh, 215 ESPN, it is UTEP and Fresno State in the Mobile New Mexico Bowl. This might be, to me, one of the biggest blowouts of bowl season. Fresno State's an 11.5-point favored. I think they cover this game and some, and some against the Miners from UTEP. Yeah, how historically great is Fresno's passing game? I mean, look at, look at Devontae Adams as an example of the NFL, but Fresno loves to air it out, and I think they're going to do so successfully against UTEP. I, I, I am completely on, on that side with you. Uh, 3.30, ABC, the, uh, it is the uh, Radiance Technology Independence Bowl, BYU and UAB. I love watching BYU football and basketball just because of how fundamental they are. The Cougars are a touchdown favorite. I think, you know, this is a, a big game for Algier and Nakua and Hall. They could probably put up 50 points on UAB. I think they win comfortably. Yeah, Cougs on top. I mean, their their defense is where it's at, too. And when I when I think about what BYU could potentially do to this UAB team, I mean, think about it. UAB football hasn't really been back. They, they were they didn't get reinstated not long ago, if, if I believe correctly. But, I mean, it's 10-2 independent uh, BYU team's second-best record among independents in college football. I expect BYU to win this one going away and not some. Going to pick up the tempo here and bounce around with some other games uh, due to our you know limit amount of time. Liberty and Eastern Michigan. I think Liberty has more talent in this game, but I don't know if they want to be playing in this game. I think they win, but I think Eastern Michigan gives them a fight. Offset special. Eastern Michigan not only covers eight and a half, they also win outright. I think they have two really dynamic receivers, and they have opportunities to go deep against Liberty. Don't be surprised if they take shots early, and I think Eastern Michigan's offensive line is really underrated too. Utah State and Oregon State, ten and three versus seven and five. Pac-12 teams notoriously stink in bowl games. Give me Utah State to win this game and cover the touchdown. Oh, I got see. I think Oregon State has a good shot at this one. I think Oregon State wins a close one. 9:15 ESPN, uh, number 23, Louisiana minus their head coach against the seven and five Marshall Thundering Herd. I've watched the Raging Cajuns a couple times this year. They have a fun offense. I think they win this game. Yeah, I'm not worried about this one. I think Louisiana w- wins this one handily, and and you know Marshall. I think they keep it such an up and down program lately too. I just don't see them. I think this is their. Uh, you know, they're, they're squeaking into this bowl game. I mean, getting this appearance against Louisiana, it would be a huge win for their program, but I just see Louisiana winning this. We jump to Tuesday, the 21st, 3.30. More Maction, Kent State, and Wyoming in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl in Boise, Idaho. Wyoming, a three-point favorite. Give me the flashes and an upset. I love their offense. I love Dustin Crum. He's the, you know the Mac, basically the Mac quarterback here. He's the best quarterback in the conference. I think Kent State, uh, the runners up to the Mac in the Mac to Northern Illinois in the Mac championship game. I think Kent State has too much firepower. I don't think I, I have Wyoming as a three point favor on mine, and I think that's a misprint. I think that should be a Kent State favor, and I see Kent State. I mean, if you're in Pennsylvania, you're able to put something down on this. Entertainment purposes only, of course. I think. Entertainment purposes only. Kent State wins this one and covers, and I think it's a it's, I think it's a touchdown plus game for the Golden Flashes. 
a game I'm looking forward to in the early matchups, the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Easy for me to say. UTSA, the Roadrunners are 12-1. and San Diego State is 11-2. and Roadrunners, I have a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This could be a high-scoring, fun game to watch. Give me the Roadrunners. Why not? I can't believe this game is, first of all, played pre-Christmas. Second of all, I can't believe the line is this close. I think I think UTSA is so good. I think they're deservedly so going to get a really big spotlight here against the formidable, like you said, their San Diego State. Give me UTSA to win and cover. Wednesday, the twenty second, the lone game is Missouri six and six. Army's eight and four. They come off the upset loss to uh, Navy on Saturday. The Black Knights a three and a half point favorite. Uh, Missouri's just an okay football team, even if they are SEC. Maybe I'm biased. Give me Army in this one. I'll take Missouri in the SEC. I, I, we all know SEC talent. We know we all know what it can bring to the table. Missouri, I think, wins this one by at least six. Three thirty on the twenty third on ESPN in the Frisco Football Classic, North Texas, the Mean Green against Miami of Ohio. Also six and six, Miami. A three-point favorite. What do you think? Miami quarterback Brett Gabbard, the son uh, or the uh, excuse me, brother of Blaine Gabbard, NFL quarterback. Say what you want about him in the NFL, but he was a first-round pick. Um, the lineage is there. Mac, uh, the Miami has an all-Mac receiver in Jack Sorensen, and I think those two are going to connect for at least two touchdowns. Gives me the red hot. 69 catches, just under 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns for him. He's probably one of the best players on the field. I'll agree with you, and I will take the Red Hawks in that one. Uh, 7.30 ESPN, UCF in Florida, which is a nice little Florida rivalry. Of course, the Gators are looking for their new head coach to come in once this game is over. Florida is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't know how much Florida wants to be there, but when it comes down to it, talent wins football games. Give me the Gators. For everything I said about Missouri, I'm saying the opposite about Florida. Central Florida wins, covers, upset special. Interesting. That should be a a fun one. In a bowl game that they added to the schedule so everybody that was eligible could play, Christmas Eve in the Hawaii Bowl, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, Memphis 6-6, six and six, Hawaii 6-7. Six and seven. First off, shouldn't be in a bowl game if you don't have at least a 500 record. Memphis favored by a touchdown. I like the Tigers to win that one. I do as well, despite this being a home game for Miami. Uh, you know, Memphis, I see 7.5, and, and I think that's not enough. The interesting figure for me here is the over-under at 58.5. I feel like that one gets under. I don't think it's going to be that explosive of a game, but I'll take the Tigers. Saturday, Christmas night, Christmas afternoon, excuse me, Georgia State, Ball State in the Tax Act Camellia Bowl. Georgia State 7-5, and five, Ball State 6-6. Six and six. Georgia State is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this matchup. Chirp, chirp, Ball State wins and covers. Uh, you know what? I, I, I think that one is, is it's one of those that I'm like, ah, I don't know if I need to watch this one, but uh, football is football. Um, I'll just take Georgia State. Why not? So we bounce to Monday, December 27th, Nevada and Western Michigan. Nevada, the pack is 8-4. and four. Eastern Michigan is 7-5. and five. An 11 a.m. kickoff on Monday the 27th in the Quick Lane Bowl. Western Michigan, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you like? 
I actually like Nevada here. I, I, I think the Wolfpack are kind of an underrated team, and they love to throw the ball. And I'm not sure. I'm not sold on Western Michigan stopping it. I like Nevada to at least cover. I think they could squeak the win out too. Let's bounce around to a couple of different games. The 28th, Houston and Auburn. Houston, the Cougars are 11-2. and two. Auburn is 6-6 six and six with no Bo Nix, who's entered the transfer portal. Despite that, Auburn is a three-point favorite. I've seen Houston play twice. They lost both times. Give me the Tigers. I'm going to take Houston. I think losing Bo Nix is a bigger deal than people are making it out to be. And uh, the Cougars, I mean, they played Cincinnati tough in the AAC championship until Cincinnati became Cincinnati and pulled away. I'll take Houston gladly in this one. So we have got the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Man, they could make these bowl names a little bit shorter. UCLA, NC State, UCLA's 8-4, NC State's 9-3, ranked 18th. They're a team for me to look out for next year, but I like the Bruins in an upset. I think you're working the sponsors, and I'm sure they're thankful for that. Yeah, I mean, Chip Kelly, UCLA, what more can you say? I'm not, I'm kind of down on the ACC this year. Not, it's not because Pitt won it. That has nothing to do with it. I'm down on the ACC as a conference this year. I'll take UCLA winning this one. So we have West Virginia, Minnesota in a 10-15 kickoff in the guaranteed rate ball, 6-6, six and 8-4. Six, and four. Minnesota's kind of up and down. Same thing for West Virginia. Go Big Ten. Gophers favored by three and a half. Yeah, I don't know what to think of this. I don't know which Minnesota team's going to show up to the field. I mean, I, I saw firsthand Minnesota lose the Bowling Green this year, and I saw them compete with Ohio State a couple of weeks prior. I don't know which Golden Gophers team is going to show up to the field, and I think the thing is, I think it's going to be the good one. I'll take Golden Gophers to cover and win. Let's jump to a couple big ones. Number 14, Oregon. Number 16, Oklahoma, playing in the Valero Alamo Bowl. 10-3, 10-2. Lots of coaching changes, lots of transfers. I don't know if either one of these teams really want to even be playing in this game. Oklahoma's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Oh, that's, this is a tough one to pick because I think Oregon can win this outright. Uh, if, if they show up like they did against Ohio State early in the season, look out. I don't understand the four and a half spread. I thought it'd be a little tighter than that, a little pick them, if you will. I like Oregon to, to at least cover, but give me Oklahoma on the win. One last one quickly before the break comes up. Pitt and Michigan State. We don't know if Kenny Pickett's going to play in this game. Pitt is 11-2. and two. Michigan State is 10-2. and two. Michigan State favored by a point and a half. If Pickett plays, give me Pitt. If he doesn't, give me Michigan State. I think Pat Narduzzi needs this win in the worst way. Mel Tucker and, and Michigan State, they're an up-and-coming program. They're on the rise, no question. And Kenneth Walker is as good as they get at running back in college football. Pat Narduzzi needs this in the worst way because I don't know what Pitt could be under 500 next year without Pickett, and I don't think that's a stretch. I think Pitt's going to play with a lot of urgency. I think Pitt's going to play with a lot of fire. I think Pitt wins this football game. All right, it's time for us to take a break. Dave's got that coming up when we come back. A couple more bowl games, and we get to the New Year's Six in the playoff. That's coming up next as By All Means rolls on right here on Western Reserve Radio.
Canes continues here on Western Reserve Radio. How about that, Corey? We roll with the big-time voices of the National Hockey League here. Oh, that is something. And i tell you what, NHL is getting hot right now. Quicker than usual, too. I'm excited for the season. 11 a.m. New Year's Eve, Wake Forest, Texas A&M, and the Tax Slayer Bowl. Wake Forest is 10-3. and A&M is 8-4. and Eight and, uh, A&M's better than 8-4. and four. They're a five-point favorite. Gig them. Give me the Aggies in this one. Wake Forest is 115th in SBS in rushing defense. You want know Texas A&M likes to do, Mark? They like to run the ball. Isaiah Spiller, 11, or 10,000 yards. All right, God. A thousand yards this season. I'm seeing ten, eleven. I think that's ten thousand. That's why I'm a, a word guy, not a math guy. Isaiah Spiller runs all over Wake Forest. Gives me the Aggies. January first, twelve o'clock, ESPN two, Penn State and Arkansas. Penn State is a two and a half point favorite, despite the fact that Arkansas has a one game better record. I'm not convinced that the Lions can win any football games when James Franklin is their coach. Give me the Razorbacks. I think, and I, I couldn't disagree more. I think this is a confidence booster James Franklin needs. I think the Penn State needs this game, just like Pitt does against uh, Michigan State. They need this game in the worst way to Penn State. Give me the Nittany Lions on this one. 1 o'clock ESPN in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, one of our favorite sponsors, I might add. Oklahoma State is number 9 at 11-2. and two. Notre Dame is number 5 at 11-1. and one. Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator has one foot out the door heading to Columbus the next day. Reports are a lot of changes for Notre Dame. A lot of younger guys seeing some time on the practice field. The Irish are a two-point favored. I think they win this game and propel them into a nice year next year. Well, I mean, Brian Kelly's got two feet out the door faking a southern accent down in the great state of Louisiana. That's as best as I'm going to do. Um I like Oklahoma State here, truth be told. I, I think Oklahoma State should have had it. I mean, look what they did against Oklahoma. You could argue that Oklahoma State's a playoff team. I like I like the Cowboys a lot here to win and, and cover against Notre Dame. Iowa and Kentucky. Iowa loses games they should win. Kentucky's the favorite, which surprises me. I think the uh, I you know Big Blue wins this game, and they might win it comfortably. I think Iowa needs a little something back after getting shelled by Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. Give me the Hawkeyes. I think Kirk Ferentz can regroup this team together, and they'll win. Let's see. Um, we go to the Rose Bowl, 5 o'clock, Utah, Ohio State, in your traditional Pac-12 Big Ten matchup, 10-3, and 10-2. and two. Buckeyes open a touchdown favorite. It's now down to 65 in the Rose Bowl presented by Capital One Venture X. Jeez. Uh, I can't pick against the Buckeyes. Everybody knows that. I like Ohio State to win this game. Well, I mean, you can. You just shouldn't here. I don't know why this is six and a half. Ohio State's winning by two touchdowns. I understand Utah beat Oregon twice. I understand Oregon beat Ohio State. That was a while ago. Utah, I know that you're capable, but I think Ohio State wins by two touchdowns in, in a complete unbiased manner. Let's see, what else do we have on the docket? We've got Baylor and Ole Miss, number seven versus number eight, 845 in the Sugar Bowl. Baylor is a one-point favorite. You know what? I like watching Matt Corral and Ole Miss. I may not like their head coach, but I like their offense. Uh, I will take, surprisingly, Ole Miss is the dog, so give me the underdog in this one. 
I want Baylor here, and I want Baylor. I want the Big Twelve to show out. I think the Big Twelve has an opportunity this weekend, or uh, this bowl season, I should say. I don't know why I keep thinking the game Saturday. I will take Baylor winning going away here against Ole Miss. It is time for the playoff games, the first semifinal, of course. Make sure to take note, these games are on New Year's Eve this year, 3.30, Cincinnati, Alabama. My wife asked me, who are you rooting for? I said, I don't know. I'm just going to watch the football game. I think the Bearcats need knock down a peg or two. I've not been shy about that on this show. I can't root for Alabama because they're Alabama. Alabama's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they win by pushing 20 or more. Yeah, Alabama wins and covers. I mean, this is I think this is the end of Cincinnati's still in Cinderella run. I hope, I hope that Cincinnati keeps it close just because I, I want all of us to be proven right that the college football playoff needs expanded and that we need to put in at least six, if not eight teams in this thing. But give me Alabama the winning cover, but I want Cincinnati to keep it close. Since we have a minute, I'll take the time to ask you. A lot of rumors circulating about Ryan Day to the Bears. I think Coach Day goes to the National Football League, but not yet, because he's seen what other coaches have done too soon. He has two years of experience as a quarterback coach in the NFL. He's probably still a couple more years and a better opportunity away, although coaching Justin Fields, I'm sure, would be tempting. I don't think he leaves just yet. No, why would he? I'll tell you the grand reason why. They just lost to Michigan. You think Ryan Day is going to bolt after a loss to Michigan? After all the great success he had at Ohio State, no, I don't think that. I don't think that happens. Maybe someday, perhaps not. After seeing what Urban Meyer has done in Jacksonville and that train wreck, that's a whole other conversation. But I don't see Ryan Day in any way, shape, or form leaving Ohio State following this season. Especially, I mean, the Bears. Yeah, Justin Fields is there. That franchise right now is a mess, and and a lot of that is because of Matt Nagy. A lot of that is also because of poor design and poor execution. Uh, they haven't built the offensive line quite yet. I don't think there's a reason for Ryan Day to go to Chicago personally. The other semifinal, the Capital One Orange Bowl. Dave, don't fall off your chair. Georgia's 12 and one. They're number three. Michigan is 12 and one. They're number two. Uh, I like the Wolverines in an upset because Georgia's favored by it seven and a half points. Give me Michigan. Oh, that hurt. If Aiden Hutchinson. Plays like Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan has a fair shot at winning this. My thing is, I don't know what Cade McNamara I'm going to get. I don't know what Michigan offense I'm going to get. I I know what I'm going to get with Hassan Haskins. I know what I'm going to get with Blake Corum. I don't know what I'm going to get with the rest of that offense. If Michigan can find a way to squeak some squeak some points by that Georgia defense, especially early. If they can get out hot like they did against Iowa, I don't know if they'll need the trick play. I don't know if they'll need the you know reverse pass and, and the side and the running back pass. I don't know if they're going to need all of that. But if Michigan can get on the board early against Georgia, they can get a 10-point, 7-point lead. That will set up the rest of the table. That will set the table for Hutchinson and company on defense. And they have good linebackers. They can run with Georgia's receivers. That said, I am fully expecting – a full SEC college football playoff national championship game between Alabama and once Georgia beats Michigan. I think Georgia wins, but Michigan covers. You know what? Uh, I have Alabama and in, in, in Michigan in the national championship game, and 
Uh, if that game happens on Monday, January 10th at 8 o'clock in Indianapolis, Michigan's familiar with the field, but I, doesn't, I don't think that matters. I think Alabama wins the national championship. If Michigan makes it, I think they win the title game because it will be a home. It will be a home game for them. I was at the Big Ten championship game. It was seventy percent at, at least Michigan fans in that building. And if it was the national championship, I expect that to spike to eighty. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be massive if Michigan makes it this year because of location. That said, if I will pick the I will pick the Georgia Alabama game that I predicted, and I'll pick Alabama to win that, and that's going to just just upset the entire state of Ohio right here. I know that. But if Michigan can beat Georgia and get to Alabama, I think Michigan has a puncher's chance against Alabama more so than Georgia would. So I got two quick questions for you. We only got about three minutes left. 42 bowl games to me is too damn many. They need to start getting rid of some of these, and I know they won't because they've got sponsors and there's too much money involved. But I'm telling you, Corey, if you have a losing record, you don't deserve to be in the postseason. They got to do something to clean this up a bit. Well, no. I mean, there's reasons why you have to be 500 to be quote-unquote bowl eligible. I know there's exemptions everywhere. Um, That being said, I don't – it's not that I think there's not enough bowl games. I don't think there's too many either. I don't don't see an issue with the amount of them. Again, the sponsors are a huge thing, but, I mean – also, time and location. I'll be honest, I'm probably not going to watch Ball State, Georgia State Christmas Day. I'm probably not going to watch Memphis, Hawaii Christmas Eve. Maybe a better scheduling, maybe maybe organization. There's games like the UTSA game, San Diego State, UTSA. I don't know why that's being played on the 21st. So maybe it has to do with the scheduling to kind of build up to some of the more exciting matchups and obviously the year six. But two things are going to affect that. Number one, the college football playoff eventual inevitable expansion. And number two, I think that more sponsors are going to want to get in. So we'll see how all that unfolds. I, I don't see them subtracting, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to add either. It's going to be interesting. I know you guys kept track of those picks. We'll see how things play out for us. Corey, uh, thank you for being on the final show for the year. Happy holidays to you and yours. Hopefully you get a chance to get back home for at least a few days. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you if and when there is a baseball season next year. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other ballgame. Don't expect anything until February is how I feel. So I'm just going to kind of let baseball sit on the back burner. Thanks for having me, Mark. We'll talk soon. Our buddy Corey Christen from the Toledo Blade had a busy day today getting ready for college football's National Signing Day Part 1. It is coming up tomorrow. And uh, we appreciate him squeezing in some time to join us to be on at today's show. So we still have a lot to get to in this final episode, 42 of the year. We'll have the guys Sam and Justin are going to join us after the break on the new Dump and Chase podcast. You hear right here on Western Reserve Radio, Wednesdays at 6.06. We'll talk to them and we'll let you know. Got a pretty cool guest coming up early on in the schedule that we've been working on. We'll let you know who that is as well. And we will put a nice little bow on the 2021 version of By All Means here on Western Reserve Radio. Again, a big thank you to our friend Brian Tonar and everyone out there at Bill Creek. You're listening. 
Pittsburgh Radio brought to you by a Mill Creek Golf Course. And uh, we've been talking about it, the newest show here on Western Reserve Radio, the Dump and Chase podcast. Sam and Justin are on 506 Wednesdays. Last week was their debut show. Uh, They're on the phone to join us right now. And uh, Sam, uh, welcome to the Western Reserve Radio family. We're happy to have you guys on board. Uh, uh, thank you. Well, thank you for having us on. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. So. <laughs> Justin, can you tell us a little bit about the show and how long you guys have been doing it? Um, we're in kind of our fourth season now. Um, we just decided that there was not a whole lot of uh, press out there on the Phantoms, and we thought we could um, add something uh, to the coverage, and we just rolled with it. So, Justin, here's the question. You know, this is not a huge hockey area. When and when the Steelhounds came along, we had to teach people the game. Phantom's been around. You know, they've been a constant in, in, in the Valley for years. Have you seen the following and the people that are learning the sport in the Valley grow over the years, or are we still trying to teach people the game? Uh, I'd say it's a little of both. Um, the the fan base tends to come and go, kind of. Um, I guess it's a developmental league in fans and in, you know, players. Um, so, yeah, there's still a little bit of trying to teach people around here the game, especially, you know, junior hockey. But, you know, that's kind of kind of what we do so that's that gets us on the air sam you know it, it's interesting uh, about the phantoms that if you don't really you know follow the team closely you can say you know look at the list of players that are playing in the national hockey league right now that played for the phantoms or against the phantoms if you want to learn the sport and you want to find somebody to follow maybe in the national hockey league Going down to the Cavelli Center, you know, finding your favorite and seeing what they do in their career, whether it be professionally or collegiately, that's the place to go. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, right now you have, you know, probably the most famous phantom of all time, uh, Kyle Connor up with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you have uh, Nathan Walker right now with the St. Louis Blues, uh, you know, made some big news the other night, got the first hat trick of his career. Uh, Brett Murray, uh, who's with the Phantoms just up, season and a half two years ago um it was not that long ago he was in Youngstown uh he's now with the Buffalo Sabres just picked up his first NHL goal so you know and that's something we try to tell people these kids that are you know between the ages of 16 and 20 you're seeing them on the ice at the Cavelli Center uh within a few years you could be seeing them you know on television playing in an NHL game and you know again that's just kind of one of those messages you know we do try to get out to people you know, Sam, it's interesting because I, I watched a lot of Kyle Connors games when he was with the Phantoms, and we knew he was special. Then he went he went to Michigan and, you know, did a few things against the Buckeyes that I didn't really like. But did you ever think he would turn into the type of player he has with the type of contract that he is now being paid to play and be a star in the National Hockey League? Well, I mean, he, when he started out in Youngstown, he actually uh, was uh, granted a waiver by the league to play at the age of 15, which is practically unheard of in the league. Um, and, I mean, points-wise, his time in the USHL, nobody was able to touch him. Uh, so, 
you know, and, and then the success he had at Michigan and then uh, moving on to Winnipeg. Um, anybody who watched him at the Cavelli Center, you know, years ago, uh, there was no doubt in your mind that uh, he was going to end up where he's at now. Talking to Sam and Justin, the host of the Dump and Chase podcast, you can hear here on Western Reserve Radio's 506 on Wednesdays. And Justin, there might not be, you know, another first round draft pick on this year's Phantom team, but players are always, you know, being drafted professionally or they're going to play at the major college level. Somebody's going to head down to the Cavelli Center for the first time this year. Who are some names that they should keep an eye on that might have a chance to play collegiately or professionally? Uh, professionally, I'd say we already have two guys who are drafted. Um, Steven Sardarian, uh, who is a Buffalo Sabres draft pick like Brett Murray. Um, Shane Lachance, I believe he is a Edmonton Oilers draft pick. Um, we've got a player, Adam Ingram, a uh, young player, uh, draft eligible, uh, coming off of what, a, a 15 game, uh, point scoring streak, um, leading the league in rookie scoring. So obviously he's a guy we're going to keep an eye on going forward. Um, so that's just to name a few. And, you know, the thing, Sam, that I think is interesting about this, you know, and I, I look at it from, you know, the announcer's, broadcaster's perspective, and you never know what could happen when you're associated with the Phantoms. I mean, we see our old buddy Everett Fitzhugh, who spent a year here in Youngstown. He's now, you know, the voice of the Seattle Kraken. So not only can this be a chance to develop as a player, but it also gives you a chance to develop as an announcer. And who knows, you may be, you know, working for an expansion NHL franchise someday. Uh, yeah, I mean, what happened with Everett uh, was incredible. Uh, there was a lot of celebration uh, within the Phantoms family uh, when it was announced that he got that position. And, yeah, like you said, it's not just the players, uh, you know, even somebody in the broadcast booth, but you also talk about uh, coaches. Uh, you know, John Cooper, who's been very successful with the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, you know, he was a USHL coach for a long time. So, I mean, there's – I mean, anybody in that locker room or around the team – um, you know, the possibility is there for them to, uh, you know, move up those next rungs on the ladder. And that's, you know, something to some effect we've seen in Youngstown so far. So, Sam, I want to come back to you for this question. And, you know, as a, as a guy that loves Olympic hockey, there's a lot of questions right now on, you know, what the policies are going to be for the Winter Olympics. Will the NHL players go? Will they not go? And it's going to be tough. It's going to be a difficult decision. I love seeing the, the, you know, the NHL players play in the Olympics. There's nothing like it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, oh, it's, any, we learned early on anything with trying to predict with what's going to happen with sports and with COVID. Um, anytime we even think we have an idea of what might happen, it goes right out the window. Um, me personally, I would like to see, you know, the NHL players there. Um, if I had to choose between the two Olympics, I would say I, I more prefer the Summer Olympics. If I watch the, the Winter Olympics, um, it's for the hockey. So, um, you, know, you know, going back years ago, you wouldn't have that golden goal moment with Sidney Crosby. Um, even though it was for Canada, United States lost that game. As a Penguins fan, you know, it was nice to see in that regard. But, <laughs> Um, 
yeah, just anything involving COVID, you, you hope eventually at some point things start tamping down. And, um, but yeah, like I said, there's just, it, it, you just can't predict anymore. Justin, if this happens, if we get the NHL players to go to the Olympics, I mean, it seems like it is, whether it's the women's team or the men's team, I would assume going in since we're what, less than two months out, Canadians are favored to probably take home gold for both the men and women. I, I would agree. Um, I, I'm I'm in the exact opposite. I would actually kind of like to see the NHL players stay back for some uh, time. But, yeah, um, I, I think the women's team has a much better chance, uh, I think, than the men's team. But uh, we shall see. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is you look, I mean, there are stars for, for all of the countries that will participate in the Olympics. But when it comes right down to it, I mean, Sam, is the question for the Americans, you know, if they put their best players out there, you know, how good are the players that they have a chance to pull from to put between the pipes? Can they compete on a on an international level like that? Um, you know, that's been the thing with USA Hockey. It's, it's had their ups and downs, but it seems like uh, maybe consistently over the past 10 years or so, they have gotten better and better. And there have been times they've been able to compete with, you know, say the Canadians or the Russians or the Czechs. Um, but yeah, it's, Right now, I I would still lean towards the Canadians, but I would say that Team USA is on an upward trajectory. So um, maybe not now, but in future Olympics, um, you know, that pairing will uh, definitely become more and more interesting as time goes on. So we've only got a couple minutes left with you guys today before your next show, well, a day from today, the airing in this same time slot. So, uh, Justin, kind of give us a sneak peek. What's on tap for tomorrow's show? Uh, well, we have um, a co-host, um, a special co-host, uh, Andrew Goldman, Phantom's um, uh, uh, president. So um, it's always fun to have him on the show for an interview. We decided we'd have him on for a co-host the whole show. Um, incredibly intelligent man when it comes to the sport of hockey. Um, he always kind of makes us feel... Uh, like we're back to learning, uh, the sport. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's, that's tomorrow's show. Um, it's in post right now. So. And I, I got to ask Sam, cause Dave and I have talked about this, you know, with other things going on at the Cavelli, the team's on the road for what almost the entire month. How difficult is this month going to be for them to get through with no home ice time? Um, I, I, as much as I hate to say it, I'd almost want to say they're used to it because we went through the same scenario last year where, uh, the season started in November, the season started a month late and the team went, uh, that entire first month, their first 10 uh, games that season were all on the road before they played at the Cavelli center. Um, so I would say, uh, the leadership on the team would be used to this kind of scenario by now. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, they're advising the rest of the team on uh, dealing with it. Um, I mean, but at this point, um, they got a few more to go. Uh, they have a game this uh, game this Saturday night up in Plymouth, Michigan, with the uh, Team USA under-18 squad. And uh, they get a week off for Christmas, uh, another couple games the weekend after that. And then finally, uh, January 7th and 8th, they're back at the Cavelli Center. 
And uh, so I'm going to have to brush the cobwebs off my Phantoms jersey. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It's been a long time. Well, guys, uh, we're excited to have you as part of the family here on Western Reserve Radio. It's been a, a great partnership with us carrying the Phantoms games the last three seasons. And we look forward to listening to the show as it uh, continues for weeks to come. So thanks for jumping on board. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing what you've got in the next few weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say real quick, I don't know if you guys mentioned it, but I did want to throw out a happy birthday to uh, Matt Lipsack today. Ah, Lipper's birthday. Happy birthday to the uh, soon-to-be new dad once again. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining (laughs) us. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. Sam and Justin, the voices of the Dump and Chase podcast, you can hear Wednesdays right here on Western Reserve Radio starting at 5.06. So if you're used to tuning in for By All Means on Tuesdays at 5.06, you can do the exact same thing on Wednesdays for the Jump and Chase podcast. When we come back, we will uh, put a wraps to what has been another exciting season of By All Means here on Western Reserve Radio as we put our unbelievably our 83rd episode on the air here today in the last two years, and that would not be possible without the stuff that Jim and Dave do behind the scenes, and of course, without our partnership with Mill Creek Golf Course and their director of golf, Brian Tonar. We appreciate that relationship. We look forward to that continuing here in future months, in future years with us here on Western Reserve Radio. He's been part of our our GDFL coverage, our high school coverage, our Phantoms coverage. And uh, we will wrap things up coming up right after this break. By all means, here on Western Reserve Radio for 2021. Again, thank you to our partners at Mill Creek Golf Course. Go to millcreekmetroparks.org. Book your tee times for 2022 while you still have a chance. Thank you to our guest today, Corey Christen from the Toledo Blade, one of their sports writers who went ball crazy and picked some ball games with us. You just heard from uh, the guys from the Dump and Chase podcast, Sam and Justin, Wednesdays at 5.06 right here on Western Reserve Radio. As we wrap things up, hey, don't forget, next show will not be till January 3rd as we unbelievably begin our third season here on Western Reserve Radio. The episodes are also available at WBBW.com. Just click the By All Means tab. Go back to listen to old episodes of the show. The show, as always, is available in podcast form. Just search for By All Means on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and many of your favorite places to listen to podcasts and stay tuned for our January 11th show as we'll have a pretty exciting guest that we are trying to finalize that is coming up in our second show of 2022 for executive producer Dave Ferris owner operator Jim Craven my name is Mark Means you've been listening to by all means right here on a Western Reserve Radio <laughs>